What's next for global trade? How is automation changing the real estate landscape? And volatility continues to dominate the freight sector. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Yale Materials Handling, a leading warehouse brand that specializes in much more than just lift trucks. Logistics operations rely on Yale for everything from robotics and advanced power options to the company's most recent addition, an innovative tag-to-tag solution to help enforce social distancing protocols and inform reactive measures to limit virus spread. For more information, visit Yale.com. That's Y-A-L-E.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin, the COVID-19 pandemic, the U.S. elections, and the worldwide economy have all left their marks on the global trade sector. What are the important trade issues that we should be focusing on now and into the future? Here to talk about that is Ben with today's guest. Ben? Thanks, Dave. Uh, yes, we have a, a special guest here with us today with a lot of experience in that area. Uh, joining us is Kevin Doucette. He's the North American Director of Trade Policy and Compliance for C.H. Robinson. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. We're glad you could be here. Uh, Kevin, uh, could you start out uh, just quickly for us, uh, letting us know uh, what C.H. Robinson does and how your work fits in there? Sure. Uh, so C.H. Robinson is, is a logistics company. Uh, we specialize in both domestic and international logistics, as well as in U.S. Customs House brokerage and brokerage and uh, customs around the world. Uh, multinational company. Uh, my particular area of expertise is in U.S. import, U.S. export compliance. I oversee a group that does external consulting for customers. Got it. Thank you. Uh, th- th- there's a lot of ground that that, uh, that, that sort of job description covers. Uh, and although COVID-19 has, of course, dominated many of our conversations throughout 2020, uh, global trade regulations have continued to impact logistics companies throughout that time as well. Heading into 2021, as we are now, uh, what should importers and exporters have top of mind in regards to the trade war? Good question. Uh, Definitely a question, Ben. Obviously, um, you know, we have a new administration and uh, new administration means change. So what that change will look like in 2021 at at this point, obviously, we we don't know. Uh, The executive branch is going to set the tone for foreign policy. So as such, President-elect Biden will implement his go forward foreign foreign policy goals once he takes office. Um, President Biden back in August, it it stipulated that uh, he he would immediately remove, for example, this trade war, this section section 301 with China. However, that statement's been walked back in recent times. And, you know, chances are he's been discussing the fact of obviously leveraging with our allies to confront China on economic and intellectual property right issues. It's my opinion that uh, importers and exporters should continue to see these Section 301 duties, at least for the for the near term. And obviously, importers and exporters uh, ho- are hoping that this trade war ends. But uh, to put it bluntly, hope isn't a strategy. 
companies should be looking hard at duty minimization strategies. And not just because of these 301 duties, this is something companies should have been doing for quite some time. We at CH Robinson have documented what strategies companies should be reviewing based upon speed to implementation. Those that can be implemented as quickly as possible to those that are more long-term goals. Uh, if, if you wanna review those, I'd suggest checking out our trade and tariff insight page. It can be found at our corporate website. And on that page, you'll notice the chance to connect with an expert. And if you have further questions or scenarios that you wanna address, you can absolutely have the ability to, to reach out to a CH Robinson expert to discuss those in further detail. But right now, companies should definitely be looking at duty minimization strategies, and it should be a strategy that companies look at regularly. It sounds like some, some great resources. Uh, th thank you for mentioning those. Uh, could you, for, for those of us uh, who, who are still on the learning curve on this, um, it, is the Section 301 uh, terminology, is that a reference um, strictly to uh, the, the trading arrangements with China, or could, can you give a, a little uh, back-of-the-envelope description? Sure. So a quick description. Section 301 actually refers to the Trade Act of 1974. And not to get too much in the weeds, but the Straight Act of 1974 basically authorizes a president to take action if he thinks that a, a foreign government uh, is somehow violating an international trade agreement or is, is being unjustified or unreasonable or putting burdens on U.S. commerce. So Section 301 is a section of that Trade Act. And what it allows the president to do is uh, if he if he determines that there's some type of practice that's occurring that is discriminatory to the U.S., what happens is the U.S. trade representative at that time would investigate to see if that act that is occurring is actually damaging U.S. commerce. So in the case of, for example, China 301s, which is the one that most companies are probably familiar with, however, keep in mind, we currently have 301s in place with EU because of uh, uh, Boeing EU uh, 301s. We also have 301s on the docket and ready to go with France currently. And we're in the process of having a 301 investigation against Vietnam. But in the case of China 301, it was determined that uh, we were relinquishing intellectual property rights and China was having IP violations, intellectual property right violations. So the USTR determined in the case of China that those types of damages equated to about 50 billion worth of US loss a year, loss in US dollars a year. So as such, after the investigation was completely finished, uh, we were able uh, and authorized to put tariffs on China uh, to hit that $50 billion mark. So. 301s is an avenue. It's not specifically just used against China. Uh, as I mentioned, it is something that's being used and is in place for uh, to, to take care of these discriminatory acts with multiple uh, countries right now. Um, and you could actually see uh, if the, the investigation continues with Vietnam, you could potentially even see 301 duties in the future with Vietnam as well. Really interesting, uh, and, and as you mentioned, some really big dollars here that are involved. Um, but you, you mentioned France, and, and uh, th that was another point um, that, that, that we've been covering a little bit lately, um, that there's something on the horizon called a digital service tax uh, that France may implement in the coming year. Uh, can you give us a little description about what that's about and what impact it might have on US companies? Sure, so 
Um, France actually proposed and signed the law of digital service tax. Uh, the digital service tax is actually additional, uh, it's a tax placed on digital services such as digital intermediation and digital advertising. Um, intermediation, in, for back, uh, lack of better words, it's being an intermediary between either a business to business a business to consumer or a consumer to consumer. And obviously we all know what digital advertising is. Um, it, it's posting of advertisement sales on different platforms, et cetera. So how does this affect uh, the United States? Well, this digital service tax that France is, 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 has already signed into law. Um, basically, if a company has over $750 million worth of, not dollars, sorry, 750 million uh, euros worth of revenue annually, and 25 million euros of revenue is directly from France, there would be a 3% tax on those digital services that they have within the country, okay? What the USTR did, as I mentioned, is a 301 investigation. Uh, 301 investigation was taken undertaken underneath this digital service tax for France. And to see that the fact of if, if it was retaliatory, if it was discriminatory, um, if it was not meeting international agreements, you know, so for example, an agreement on accounting. And the USTR has determined that, that this tax would fall underneath a 301 and be discriminatory, okay? Now, France has not uh, collected this tax as of today. Um, they were supposed to do a collection of this tax back in, uh, I believe it was April. Um, but right now, it's looking like they're probably going to collect this tax from companies starting in December. And it, it, it's discriminatory in the fact that two-thirds of the companies that would most likely have to pay this tax are U.S. companies. And there are companies such as like your Facebooks, your Googles, uh, Amazon, eBay, Uber. There's a multitude of different companies, U.S. companies, that would most likely have to pay this tax. So what the U.S. has done is we did a 301 investigation and determined uh, that it was over a billion of dollars worth of damages that would be inflicted on the U.S. Therefore, we're authorized to put a 25% tariff on goods from France starting on January 6th of 2021, if in fact France collects this tax, this digital service tax. Interesting, um, interesting. Yeah, in, in a sense to balance that out uh, between the two countries. That's 100% correct. And you know, previously I mentioned the EU 301s. So not only would France be applicable to pay, you know, if you're importing goods from France, you might have to pay EU 301 duties, but in addition, you could also, if you're importing from France, have to pay the French digital service tax 301 duties. So it, it can get quite costly. It really can. And, and it's not just China, uh, as we've often talked about. Um, we, we only have a couple seconds left, but there was also some brand new news uh, that came out just last week. Uh, speaking of China, speaking of Vietnam, which we have, uh, about a new Asian trade deal between a lot of the countries, uh, 15 countries in that region, uh, have an enormous amount of buying power uh, worldwide. Will that exert even more pressure on the U.S. Uh, to do some deals with uh, other trading partners in 2021? I would assume it would put pressure on the U.S. to uh, absolutely look at furthering uh, trade agreements within 2021 
uh, you know, obviously this is speculation at this point. Uh, President-elect Biden, his administration, his foreign policies and goals are going to dictate how this would would actually uh, come to play. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, um, underneath President Obama, we were on the verge of entering into something called the Trans-Pacific Partnership back then. And, uh, I, you know, something like that, and this is purely speculative, could potentially get resurrected uh, underneath uh, President-elect Biden's administration, in my opinion. Uh, you know, and, and obviously it's complete speculation, but who knows? Maybe we go from a complete trade war to not only trade peace, but trade prosperity uh, within the region here in, in, in the in the long term. Wow. Yeah, all, all sorts of things, uh, threads to keep track of in the coming year. Really fascinating stuff. Uh, Kevin, we really appreciate you joining us here and uh, and keeping us up to date on some of this complex stuff. You, you did a, a great job of uh, helping us all understand. Keep in mind, that's purely speculative. Hope's not a strategy. Hope We can hope that this, that's going to happen. We'll see what actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> understood, understood. Thank you for being with us today, Kevin. Really appreciate your joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Ben and Kevin. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Victoria, you reported on how automation is changing the industrial real estate market. Can you tell us more? Sure, Dave. Yeah, happy to. Um, So the accelerating adoption of warehouse automation technology is really spurring change in the industrial real estate market, especially when it comes into tapping the potential of urban markets and making strides in uh, things like e-commerce fulfillment. We've been covering this changing landscape for a long time, but also more recently because of the pandemic. So I came across some research uh, released by logistics real estate firm Prologis this week that really homes in on the issue. Um, And it highlights three trends that are converging to really change the market. The three trends are rapidly increasing e-commerce activity, which we've talked a lot about and we've seen in these last nine months, labor related challenges due to COVID-19, you know, you see increased absenteeism, the need to social distance in the warehouse. And then the third thing is steadily improving technology solutions that make it easier and more affordable for companies to uh, implement automation. And these automation solutions, I should say, could include a range of things from conveyors and sorters to shuttle systems, robotics, and the like. So an interesting point in the research is that automation can actually help logistics customers, which are, you know, whether they're e-commerce retailers, grocers, others, tackle some of the bigger issues in last mile or last touch delivery because it can allow them to better use their urban locations. It's not always easy or possible, I should say, to find the right warehouse or DC in an urban area because often they aren't big enough, don't have the right setup or proper access for trucks, and because labor costs can be higher, um, which is a real problem for e-commerce because it's so much more labor intensive than other operations. And so what this uh, research really gets at is that automation can help with all of those issues, and it's something we're going to continue to see uh, ramp up in the year ahead. Yeah, certainly. That's interesting. What, what automation technologies are getting the most interest? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And the answer is that most companies are experimenting with all kinds of automation. But um, I had a conversation with Melinda McLaughlin, who's head of research for Pro- Prologis, and she said they are seeing a lot of experimentation with micro fulfillment systems, especially in last mile situations. And that's interesting because typically in those last mile or last touch facilities, you have goods coming in in and out really quickly, you know, maybe staying less than 24 hours before they're out the door. So there wasn't really the need to sort of store and manage a lot of things. But now we're seeing companies start to put more inventory closer to customers, you know, sort of more just in case inventory. And that's related to a lot of the challenges we've seen in these last uh, few months. Um, and that's uh, what they're saying is, is making micro fulfillment and other solutions a much better investment in many ways. 
So, um, you know, she said she expects to see this trend continue into 2021. So lots of uh, interest and demand for um, automation solutions. Yeah, certainly something we will continue to monitor as we move forward. Thank you, Victoria. Yeah, you're welcome. And Ben, you reported this week about some volatility in the truckload freight sector. Can you tell us what's going on in that market? Uh, that, that's exactly right, Dave. And, uh, and we all know it's a volatile sector. Uh, so, you know, tell me something I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you might reply, but it, it's, uh, it's been even more so than usual lately. Um, you know, but a lot of this relates to what Victoria was just talking about with rising e-commerce volumes, with hot warehouse demand. And the other side of that, of course, is the transportation of, of moving the inventory uh, to and from those warehouses. So uh, freight came roaring back into the trucking sector in October, uh, the latest statistics show. Uh, after, of course, midsummer lockdowns and travel bans had really crimped the economy. Uh, so that pushed uh, the October monthly shipping volumes to beat their one year ago levels. Uh, and remember, that was October of 2019 when nobody had even heard of the coronavirus. Uh, these n numbers come from the analysis firm uh, CAS Transportation. Uh, now, the reason for the busy trucking sector is that uh, store inventories are very lean right now, uh, following, uh, as we mentioned, those pandemic lockdowns and uh, some of the panic buying that we see uh, as, as virus cases start to rise again. Uh, so retailers really need to refill their shelves or risk being out of stock. Uh, at the same time, consumer spending is going gangbusters right now um, due to the continued reopening of the economy and other businesses, um, schools uh, starting back up, many of them, uh, and optimism, of course, about some promising vaccine development just in the last couple of weeks, uh, Cass said. So retailers are really worried about having enough inventory and they're ordering uh, record imports uh, at places like maritime ports to fill up those warehouses again. So Ben, does that mean that after the Christmas peak season, the freight sector will return to normal patterns? Well, we sure hope so, um, but the answer is not necessarily. Uh, and the reason, uh, of course, is the familiar uh, COVID-19. So uh, for example, uh, th there's certainly a lot of activity right now. Uh, the Port of Los Angeles said that October was the busiest month in its 114 year history, uh, with container traffic up almost 30% over last October. Uh, but in the same press release, uh, the Port of LA noted that rising COVID concerns are still cramping U.S. productivity, so much so that there's a trade imbalance where for every three and a half containers that are imported into Los Angeles from abroad, only one container leaves our shores filled with U.S. exports. So that's obviously not a sustainable balance. Uh, and we heard a similar message from um, a trucking equipment uh, market, where a study found that October preliminary numbers uh, might have set a new record for the number of semi-trailer orders, since fleets are trying to keep up with all that demand and roll more capacity onto the highway right now. Um, but again, that same trailer uh, orders report, uh, which was from FTR Transportation Intelligence, said that rising COVID cases could slow those markets right back down again um, if we need to return to lockdown conditions to save lives. Um, as the FTR report uh, said, the industry is known for wild demand swings and we've gone from record low orders to record high orders in just seven months. So uh, like we said at the top, um, volatility and trucking uh, seem to go hand in hand. Yeah, it certainly seems this way. Thank you, Ben. Yep. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. Go there to check it all out. Again, dcvelocity.com. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Glad to, Dave. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome.
And again, our thanks to Kevin Doucette of C.H. Robinson for being with us today. We encourage your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to rate this podcast if your podcast platform allows for that. We appreciate your feedback. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Yale. High-performing warehouses depend on Yale for industry-leading lift trucks and much more. For robotics, power options, and even solutions to help with social distancing and reactive measures to limit virus spread. Visit Yale.com. We encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and now Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Logistics Matters to find us. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when our guest will be Phil Rich of Sweetwater. He will share how that music retailer is prepping its supply chain for a very unusual peak season. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week. Mm-hmm.